Well, today on the show, things get a little bit heated as after talking about Jesus shorts, well, I start ranting about my philosophies on education and it just doesn't sit well with Sarah or Eric. Then we bring back an interview with one of the leading cardiologists on Earth and a frequent movie star, Dr. Kim Williams. And finally, it's Sarah's news as I try and pipe down a bit while we discuss Bill Gates and Impossible Meats, Justin Fields and Beyond Meats, and the American Heart Association which seemingly breaks Sarah's heart. But first, let me tell you about NextWave. Yeah, NextWave Services is a website design company that provides high-quality website design and maintenance work for businesses at a flat rate. NextWave was born from the idea that everybody needs access to seamless, reliable, and professional website design and maintenance service on a consistent basis. NextWave believes that their excellent track record of repeat business is proof of their commitment to delivering first-class service all of the time. Get a free website consultation when you check them out online at nextwaveservices.com. Founded way back in 1998, yeah, a couple of years before my son was even born. That's a long time ago. It is indeed Next Wave Services. It's time now for the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, your daily dive into sports, pop culture, beer, and food with a plant-based spin. I'm Deep, and along with news anchor Sarah Carlson, producer Eric Rogers, and the rest... Here is a man who has never put ketchup on a hot dog, Rich Reynolds. Hello, hello, and welcome on in to the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. What is up with you? Rich Reynolds, happy to join you along with Eric Rogers and Sarah Carlson. You can find us just about everywhere. Start at realmeneatplants.com. Click on the podcast button. Click on the support button. Take the 30-day challenge. Read the blogs. Find us on our YouTube channel. Find Eric at Eric Rogers Brand. There it is. If you're watching on YouTube and find Sarah at News Sarah, you can find me at RMEP Rich. And I do actually make it a point now to try and get better at social media. I just found out seriously a couple of days ago that if you put the at symbol and then somebody's handle or their name, that that's how you tag them on social media. I had no idea until a couple of days ago that that was actually a thing. And now I'm thinking that's like the greatest thing in the world. If I knew uh, you needed help, I, I mean, could have helped. Oh, I need help. Aww. I know. <laughs> It is so terrible. That's that's how much that I have cared about social media over the last like 10 years. I mean, it really the only thing that I ever do, or at least I used to do was go on Facebook or sometimes Instagram and post like pictures of, um, I don't know, my son playing baseball, my daughter playing volleyball, food that I've cooked. Um, and that's about it. So I think I've got a little bit better at it. Speaking of my daughter playing volleyball, by the way, yesterday was her first a high school volleyball game, her first day of school overall. And I was trying to think back as I dropped her off. Now, I remember dropping both of my kids off. I was the dad who was taking the kids to school because my wife is an educator. So I would take the kids, drop them off at school. And I remember each of them, when I dropped them off at kindergarten, I cried. So I am not too proud to admit that. So like there'd be moms that are crying as they're dropping their kids off at school. And then me also like, Ooh, you know, <laughs> I thought it was absolutely horrible to leave the kids behind. Uh, you have, I, I'm teary eyed. For those of you who can see YouTube, I get teary eyed. The fact that you said it 
And that's after I was always the mom who was able to, because I had a goofy schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have high schoolers now and I did it with my son yesterday. I wasn't with my daughter, um, when she left yesterday and they are giving me such a hard time. You bring up social media. It's so funny. All I want to do is post photos of them on their first day and like at a game or at a homecoming and a birthday. (laughs) Right. And somehow this has turned into like the biggest family war here in turn. Um, my kids are like, don't post that. Mm -hmm. Don't post that. They give me a lot of that throughout the year. First day. I'm like, okay, guys, I'm posting a photo. It's the first day of school. These are my friends. It's because it's cringe, mom. What'd you say? Yeah, it's because it's cringe. Oh yeah. Like somehow, and how did my son put it? It's just not normal. I'm like, well, then I'm not normal, but you're my (laughs) kid. Well, ask anybody who has kids then because they all do it. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what I said. Here's what I say too. Listen, I'm proud of you. Yeah. And, and so it turns out I never got one of my daughter. Um, I, she had to go and do something different yesterday and yeah, so I just never will have her senior year and you saw me tear up because I'm going, you know, I just want a picture. I want to see you before you go. That's what, that's how I'm feeling internally. The way I I look at it, a lot of of men listening to this are going, okay, move on. No, no, actually (laughs) I, I, I know a lot of men and a lot of men feel that way too. I mean, it it is their kids and I'll take, you know, a lot of men, huh? Yeah. And (laughs) I'll take pictures. I'll post them, Eric. And, um, you know, the way that I feel about it is, listen, I I paid for the clothes that are on your back right now. I paid for this phone. I'm paying for the internet that's allowing me to post this freaking picture. Those pictures are going up. And if you don't like it, uh, tough titties. I mean, that's just the way that it's going to be. I really don't care. So um, I posted pictures of my daughter first day yesterday. um, But I started thinking back to my first day of high school. And it wasn't, I guess, long ago that I, 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 I mean, I remember it vividly. Um, really? Even though it was now, what would that be? Uh, 35 years ago, something in that neighborhood. I think that's correct. Yeah. 35 years ago or so, hmm. 36, something like Maybe that. Maybe you're just more nostalgic than I am. Cause I don't remember. Shit. You don't remember your first day of school. I don't no. either. Well, it was. I, I, I had sports. I That's all I know. High school, but yeah, not the first day. It was. It was traumatic for me. So I had to go to. So I. I went to a public junior high school, but ended up going to a Catholic high school. Where That's I, why. I knew. Well, no, that wasn't the traumatic part. That was. That, that was actually cool. Well, what happened was I didn't know anybody there. Um. So like I, you know. I, it was in the town over. I, I was from Naperville, and the the actual schools in Lyle, but they they, they pulled from everywhere. I mean, from all is over. Is that Frank um, Kaminsky's high school? It is. Or I went to Frank from, yeah. Kaminsky's high school. I went to Bennett Academy, um, and uh, yeah, I I remember it vividly because I didn't know anybody, so it was a little bit traumatic. So as I'm trying to meet people, and there were some people I knew through like baseball um, and playing little league baseball and going up that route and all of that. I get to gym class my first day of high school, and my parents had bought me brand new Nikes. Now, you have to understand that in 1986, Nikes wasn't the iconic brand that it was today. It had gotten a big boost from Air Jordans, but before that, most people didn't really know what Nike was. So I had this box of Nikes, brand new Nikes in the box. I pull out 
the, the the shoes. The shoes still had you know how they would wad paper up in the in the bottom of the shoe and all that. So the the shoes still had that. I pulled that out. I put one shoe on. I go to put the next shoe on my left foot and realize I have two right footed shoes. <laughs> no. <laughs> No. <laughs> That's what was in the friggin' box on my first day of high school when I didn't know anybody there, and I'm trying to get ready for gym class, and I have two right-footed shoes. Now, in a public school, that would probably be fine because I would most likely be wearing sneakers to school. I could just keep those on. But when you go to a college prep uh, school that's Catholic, you're wearing a tie to school uh, with an Oxford shirt and dress pants and dress shoes, and you're not allowed to wear sneakers around the hallway. So now I have a choice to make. Um, And some of these choices are what I could tell the teacher and say, hey, you know, um, or I can wear my dress shoes out onto the basketball court and line up, or I could try and wear the two right feet and do it that way. I chose option C, and I put the right-footed shoe onto the left foot. It was absolutely painful and awful and ridiculous, and everybody made fun of me, and that was my first day of I high mean, school that I that still remember. That was probably the better of those choices. Like, I mean, obviously right? telling a teacher would have been, been maybe the other good option, but like, you're not going to wear the dress shoes. Like, so hey, can I, one out. Yeah, can I sit the first day on a gym class teach, you know, like, you know, I have two right feet here, um, but I ended up getting through it. And one thing that actually helped me, so because I was ribbed so hard, I mean, all the guys were, were making fun of me for it, but I handled the ribbing well. So, like, if you were to be really bad about it and don't handle it well and don't fire some shots back or laugh it off, then I think you get it worse. And I think things turn out badly mm-hmm. for you. But I was able to laugh it off and move on. And I actually made friends that way. In fact, I got a lifelong friend who I was talking to the other day. Um, that He calls uh, you righty or something. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a nickname out of that one. Uh, hmm. But Anyways, that was my first day of high school. So, I mean, I I think maybe because there was a traumatic experience, I could remember it happening. Um, And then going to a school where you don't know anybody is also pretty traumatic at the age of 14. Um, I don't think it's as big of a deal when you're an adult. But when you're 14 years old, it is really kind of scary to do something like that. Mm. I was in my gangster phase. so Gangster? (laughs) Is that right? Dude, yeah, that was like... Eminem was like, you know, peak music oh. at the time and like had the like basically buzzed head and, you know, was listening to music and big fake earring, diamond earrings and like, oh, no, uh, I wasn't like I wasn't in like the gangster crowd, but I was like in sports and I don't know why I thought that was a good look, but I did. And uh, I the only thing I remember that I will say about freshman year, like first day of high school was walking around and seeing some of the people that I already did know and how they had changed a lot. And I was like, ah, so they are trying that whole like new year, new me type of thing. That's what I remember. Mm. Yep. You, you would get some I of that. I just remember yeah. being nervous, but you know what I want? I want, we, we should be able to share photos oh, on the podcast, but just amongst each other, because I would love to see Rich in the suit and two right shoes yeah. and Eric as M&M. <laughs> 
There is, if, <laughs> if you could see here, uh, a picture of me in my sophomore year playing football. Um, I don't know if people can zoom in or not if they're watching on YouTube, um, but they think that's me in the middle right there playing football as a sophomore. So that's about as close as you're going to get right now, uh, unless I pull out some yearbook photos or something like that. Anyways. Here I my, have. <laughs> I yeah. Know, this, is a, this is an old basketball photo from like first grade, so that's not relevant. Did you pull one up? You got high school pictures on your phone? No, well, not guess, high okay. school. All right. I was going to say. Um, yeah, I've got old ones on my phone that friends send. So I, but yeah. You're not going to share those, Sarah? Right now. <laughs> this, this is, uh, I believe this was first, first grade basketball. Oh, <laughs> oh that's sweet. Little Eric Rogers. You look kind of scared <laughs> in that picture. picture, man. I was terrified. I don't know why. I looked you like do. That. You look like <laughs> For those my head, see it, yeah. my head also looked like way huge for my body, so I don't know what that's about because I have a small I, I, head. I still have that problem though, so yeah, I, ah. I, yeah, <laughs> kind of looks like a, an orange <laughs> on a toothpick. Anyways, um, going back to my my daughter's first day yesterday, so I guess it was relatively uneventful because she's one of those people that if you ask her what did you do in school yesterday, it was nothing. Yeah, I, I don't well, understand. I mean, yeah. like, we just went over the syllabus. Yeah, well, I you know I yeah. I even said I'm like you were in school for like seven hours. You just sat there looking at the wall. Then basically, yeah, it's basically it. Nothing. I'm like, great. This is a a wonderful conversation. But anyways, she <laughs> did tell me this morning that she has to unless she wears this the exact quote unless she wears jeans that go up her butt. They are called Jesus shorts by the other girls in school. And I'm like, so Jesus shorts are long shorts. Jesus shorts are long shorts. And now my like definition of long shorts on a girl, I think, is different than a girl's definition of long shorts. So long well, shorts. Girl is teenage girl. Teenage right? girl. Talking? All right. Now okay. my daughter was wearing shorts going to school today that I thought were too short, but the other girls consider to be Jesus shorts. Be- Why Jesus? Well, oh, did, did we have photos of Jesus and too many long shorts? I don't think it was Jesus. No, I mean, yeah. That's what I think it is. I, I mean, I, think I get it. I yeah. get it. Yeah, but I think it's like I wait, Christ- Rich. Christian girl. Yeah. You talking about this picture you posted? Am I allowed to show this? Yeah. Yeah, you could show it. This, this picture? So that was yesterday. Now, I think okay. those shorts are too short. And Oh, no. They seem for- standard to me for girls now. Yeah, that, that, that's respectable. I really? would say, yes. I don't know. I, I, to, Rich to wants her to wear a short. burlap sack. So. I don't know. That's not even where I'm at with that. L- listen, I'm not one of those dads that's worried about my daughter dating. I'm actually worried about the boys that she dates because they're going to be in big trouble. My daughter is pretty damn fierce, um, and you're not going to get her to do anything she doesn't want to do. She might make the boys do things they don't want to do, uh, but I'm not <laughs> afraid of my daughter and still dating. still salt, brother. Yeah, yeah I, I guess. I mean, I mean, she's she's pretty she's pretty you know fierce I guess is is the word to use she's she's full of life anyways Jesus shorts I didn't know this was a thing but I guess it's for Christian it's more of a Christian girl's look and I don't think there's anything Christian about the way my daughter was dressed yesterday it just seemed like mm. normal school attire um, but it brings me to like a a quick point here 
um, that I would like to at least pontificate on or rant on a little bit or something like that. There's a couple things about the education system that sit in my craw, and one of right. them – You're talking to the right person. Uh, Here we go. Uh, okay, <laughs> and you're a part of it, and Eric is in it every day, okay? So the, the thing about it is, one, I would love for all the kids to wear uniforms to school. Nope. To all be dressed the same. Okay, so now why? What what would be your reason for that not being a thing? Well, I think it's – this is like my personal opinion is it's a little like cultish to me. It just seems like a cult. I don't know why. That's just how I feel about it. And it's like it's not – it's different than like a sports team. You're choosing to do that. You're choosing to wear right. – like to be in that – on that team or whatever. Like you go to that school and you have to wear a uniform. It's like you're stripping people of their individuality and you know that's just going to create like backlash. So, so individuality is more, I think it creates Wait, more on. problems than it solves. Okay. And I, let me, let me chime in rich yes. because I have to say, I think I, I call them kids, but teenagers specifically are in a stage of life where they're finding themselves mm -hmm. and they do that often by what they wear. Eric even said it. This was my phase of this. Um, I, I think I wore baggy sweatshirts in sophomore year but we choose what we wear based on how we're trying to identify ourselves at the time. And that might be a roller coaster. It might be the same through all four years of high school, but it's also public. I mean, we're talking public schools. Yeah, I'm with you. You can't do that. Well, I think Rich so has a different something. perspective because he was in the military. Yeah, I, no, 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 no. I, I've gone through it both ways. Like, I was in public school all my life until high school, and then high school wore uniforms. So, so my, my first question is, all right, is dressing or how, what you choose to wear how you want your children to define themselves and their their individuality? Um, because I don't. Um, and then secondly, isn't what they wear based a lot on their parents' income and what their parents will allow them to wear to school? So it's not like they're making individual choices at the age of 14 where they can go out shopping for themselves. It's dependent on if mom or dad said yes to that outfit or article of clothing for them to buy and then Most for them to wear. Sure. Okay. Yes and yes. I mean, there are, yes there are yes. parents who are you know, more controlling than others, A. And then these days, it's cool to go shopping at Goodwill. So... I think, you know, affordability wise, you can find whatever you can find Jesus shorts or the other end of a short. Right. Which there. you know what? I'm actually I'm, <laughs> I'm all for. I mean, you end up supporting a cause and you're recycling stuff and you're not using as many resources yeah. and you end up conserving things. And I'm all for that. But what I'm saying is now they're how they identify themselves or how they are identified by others is tied up in what they wear and not the person that they are. Okay, so, so this becomes an issue. Secondly, it definitely be, can become a distraction. So when you're talking about what kids are wearing at school, it can be distracting towards education, which is one of the biggest reasons why they're at school. I don't think it's the sole reason. I think there, I do think ask. there's social aspects, but it can be super distracting. Where it's really distracting and can take us down another road is what girls wear is very distracting for boys. I mean, extremely distracting for the males in the room. Now, it doesn't work. And there would be a lot of, there would be a lot of women who would jump in right now and say, okay, stop. <laughs> First of all, yes. <laughs> and that's why you did. <laughs> uh, teenagers, yes, I did. Yeah. Teenagers uh, identify themselves 
through what they wear to some extent. There are other things they do, but that's just one part of it. And females would say, hey, look, this might be distracting, but I have these and I don't, I mean, I don't want to cover them up. It's part of my body. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm not it's, saying it's that. A I... whole new, it's a whole new era. It's a whole new way of thinking. I mean, it's, right. it's what I see and what I'll see tonight when I go to a varsity football game, especially um, because they undress a bit. But um, a lot of people, different generations, I think, kind of go, oh, boy. And then I think, you know, in the real world, walking down the street, I don't know what kind of job you're going to have or who you're going to run into. You're going to have to see things that are distracting and you're going to have to continue to focus despite that distraction. And in the classroom, once, let's just say it's a girl with the cleavage showing too much. If she, once she's sitting down, pay attention to the teacher and what you're doing. You, you, would, don't have you to would love to think that and that's fine for adults and it's not the same for 14-year-old adolescent boys that are just starting puberty. I mean, it, it's impossible <laughs> to keep your mind uh, on it. I'm going to second that. Im image. It's impossible. All right. Now, it's fine that girls think that girls aren't as distracted by the boys as the boys are distracted by the girls. This isn't me spewing nonsense. There's actual studies done on this. And having lived through it, I could also say boys are very distracted by the girls. Distracted to the point so much. All right. Now, as say, say, say we go back to the 50s and nowadays and the way that people dress compared to nowadays has changed quite a bit. And women are definitely and girls dress more provocatively than they were 50 years ago, as those girls were more provocative than the girls 50 years before them. I think we could all make that generalization. Correct. All right. Correct. So now what effect has it had on boys? Well, I'll tell you, at college level, when you get to that level, 60 percent of all students are women. And that number, most of those women graduate where men have been dropping out of school like crazy. Now, there's a few more reasons for that. And part of that is, you know, even so, like, on, on one of my son's visits, we went to a bunch of colleges. They were courting him to play baseball, all this other kind of stuff. They would take you on a college tour, and you would go around the campus and talk to a lot of people. And one of the things that they would point out at this one college was all of these safe spaces and safe rooms. And if you ever need to go to a room and use a coloring book that, you know, you can color and my son, you might as well have told him that they were, I, I, I don't know, torturing pigs or something. I mean, I, I, he, he looked at it like it's the worst thing in the world because, you know, he's looking at it and saying, why the hell would I need any of this? I don't want any of this. What about the freaking education? What about the athletics part? Get me Your to the son point that I care about. Like most people, though. Yeah. So my, there's that. My my son wasn't going to experience a bunch of anxiety and stuff by going to college. I mean, this this wasn't an anxious time for him um, in in his life. Um, and so, anyways, it, that is a turnoff to alpha males. When 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 you hear that kind of talk, it's like, oh, God, oh, don't get started on the alpha males talk. That's a fake term, by the way. It can be, but there there is Dude, a thing. It's okay, so full of shit and toxic. I'm just going to say that. Okay, but here's the thing. Alpha right, males. Continue. Alpha males. Actually, it, again, I'm not. I'm not just just spewing garbage here. In study, you're talking like someone who's in their. Well, I'm not going to say your age. Yeah, but, my age. <laughs> okay. In in my age. All right. So so here here's the thing. You take herds of elephants. All right. Now they've they've done studies on this. Okay. So there's herds of elephants and there's dominant males that are in the herds. 
Okay. And then there's all like the, the, the female elephants and the babies around. You take the dominant male out and they have shown in these herds of elephants, there's chaos. I mean, actual chaos that ensues. You put the dominant male back in place and the chaos stops. Well, sure, because you need some sort of like structure hierarchy that needs to be implemented. As does any okay. social society. When you take any group of animals that do are social at all, there has to be an order. All right. And part of that order that has been defined through the years is that there are alpha males. And when there are alpha males, I'm not talking about toxic males. Okay? But they will figure it out. People so start conflating take out. They'll figure it out. They, they, they do. But people start conflating alpha males with like guys who are bullies or guys who rape or guys who beat other people up or are violent. There's nothing alpha about that. I mean, if anything, it's the exact opposite of alpha. And then people will say, well, there's okay. toxic masculinity. No, I'm, I'm on like, board with no. you. <laughs> right. Your, your alpha male isn't toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity is toxic masculinity. And there's, and there's a difference when you put alphas into the group. A lot of the toxic masculinity stops. I think a lot of us have all known guys. You would remember, like, back in high school, there were big football player guys. You, you know the guys I'm talking about? They're, like, 6'6 at your football at, at your high school and weigh almost 300 pounds. A lot of these guys are the happiest go-lucky guys ever, right? Okay? You, you know their demeanor. Again, I'm generalizing. They're pretty happy-go-lucky guys. You put them in a room, everybody knows who the alpha male is in the room. And it's that happy-go-lucky, 300-pound, six-foot-six guy. And if something gets out of order, six-foot-six football guy puts things back into order. So if there's a skirmish going on, all he has to do is walk over there, and the skirmish stops. Sarah disagrees. Yeah, I I don't know. Again, I I mean, I've seen this time and time again, and I know that there have been (laughs) studies done on this. The alpha male calms the waters. It it stops those situations from happening. Okay, I get. I you went from the elephants to the football player. And <laughs> yeah. I got kind so, of lost. So, no, and, and the reason why I'm doing, I this. love you, man. Yeah. But so social order. I get so like any in kind an of elephant situation. What yes. they're used to, you take it away. It, it's going to create chaos. Yes. What what any society or you know animal is, group is used to, you can't just pull something out of it and, and then expect it to be okay. You are so right. Okay. Right. So now when we talk about school shootings and violence Mm -hmm. in schools and bullying in schools, all by the way, that are up higher than they've ever been. See, oh no. Am I, we're we're all living on planet earth, right? All of these things. Yes. But I don't think that's because of a kind of person. I think it's because of, yeah. Anyway, when you pull alpha males out of a social construct, you get chaos. And I think that's a lot of what's happening. All right. And and a part of this is in the education system, because here, here's the thing. The distraction that boys and men face in the education system compared to women has really set society back. Part of it is not being uniformed in school and part that, of it is okay, yes right. the, hold on hold I'm on. sorry you, <laughs> I, I get what you're trying to the point you're trying to make but you are reaching okay here, here's the thing they, they've actually proven men 
work hey, who better. Are they? Okay, okay. So studies that have been done, and I wish <laughs> I, could, one, I, should, I, I should pull all the all the studies out that I, I was even reading the the Cite morning. Your sources. No, this was a Georgetown uh, Education University study that I know I'm citing right now as to the reasons why there are drops in male education and and what's hurting them. One of the biggest things is males work better at a degree like a temperature, room temperature that's five degrees cooler than what women work at. Okay, now most schools are set at a temperature that actually is is good for women and not good for men. Another thing that they found out is men and boys actually learn better at higher volumes. So if the instructor uses a higher tone of voice and is more direct, men actually learn better from that. Women don't. Women struggle in that environment. Women actually will thrive in like environments of education where color, texture, smells are used, where that hurts male learning. Again, this is the Georgetown education study. I guess I should, you know, probably post all of this stuff. But I, I, I love this mm. because I, I, I find this, this absolutely fascinating. I've been studying it for years. All right, as to the decline of you males have the first in time college. You about yeah. It. No, well, it's the first time that, that we brought it up because my, my daughter went to school yesterday to high school, and I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking about like all the stuff that ends up happening, and even my son, you know, and you're talking about his collegiate experience and how that happened, where he went to college. It's 70% women, 70%. So, I mean, you, when, when you look at the accounts, that's, that's pretty standard across the board. It's more like 60% across the nation are, are women right now. Um, and so what's happening to the men? Okay. Now, I'll even go a step further and bring it to plant-based eating. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Whoa. So... The meat that you eat and dairy that you drink and the hormones found within actually do terrible things to your hormone levels in your body. Now, for women, what it'll do is we'll create extra estrogen. So you will see girls getting their periods earlier and develop breasts earlier and all of that kind of stuff. Then for men, what it ends up doing is it blocks the production of testosterone in males. So those things that you eat and drink from dairy products and meat products actually screws up hormonal levels that plant-based eating does not do. Extra plant-based eating, including the eating of soy, which they thought would give you more estrogen, but because it has phytoestrogen, it has less estrogen for you, um, actually produces normal hormone levels, especially in males. So that's how I'm tying all of this thing together to let you know that I was a little bit worried with my daughter going off wearing Jesus shorts yesterday on her first day of, of high school. But <laughs> So to really tie it all together, Rich, what you're saying is this milk program needs to stop in schools. The milk program needs to so stop in schools. Absolutely. Forget the uniforms. Just stop the milk. They, they need to – and I'll, and I'll uh, stop the milk – Separate the boys from the girls, except for like social or like uh, what, what do they call uh, that? The, well, that considering there's people who don't study hall either. Yeah, and um, so they, they can get together in study hall. One half of the school, you got the temperature at 67 degrees. The other half, 72. Oh wow! Good luck with Everybody's that. Everybody's in uniform, <laughs> and off we go. And I bet you we will have better males and females out of the whole thing that are learning much better and have higher. Oh, by the way, the, the Georgetown study also says that if you do those things, that those kids come out of it with higher self-esteem than those that do not. Whatever so, dystopian future you are trying to build. That, that is nice. not dystopian. <laughs> <laughs> They're real. Look, this stuff. 
stuff up. Google this stuff. Dude, I, I, there's I no way to, to implement all this stuff. I have to you I might, have to challenge you on this. But there is. There, they, they I'm not saying the information I, doesn't exist. Is, I can believe the, the studies exist, but but each of there's so many things in that. Um, do you know how the you know, how public education works? How difficult it is to do anything? Oh, I know how public <laughs> education works. It sucks. Uh, and it's actually really hard to for if for a parent even to get things done. When I've talked to superintendents and principals and stuff like that about my kids and, and about what's going on with their education, again, it's something near and dear to my heart. You get nowhere fast. I mean, it's nowhere Ham, fast. Every, there's, you know, you're hamstrung every, every step Everywhere. of the way in any process. Everywhere. Yeah. And ask my wife. She'll tell you all about public education and, and all of the problems um, that lie within. Okay. That was a lot of of pontificating. I don't even know if we got time for a guest. I don't know what we're doing next. We will have Sarah's news coming up later <laughs> on. Stick around to uh, whatever the show has turned into today here on the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. All right, here at the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, we need your help, and so does Paul's party. Being a brand new podcast is trying to get its footing. We are asking that you help support our pod by going to our podcast page at realmeneatplants.com slash podcast and click the support button. When you do, not only are you helping us get our feet on the ground, you are helping to support Paul's party, a 501.c charity that raises money to help kids with physical disabilities get equipment to have some fun in their lives. Two great causes, one easy support button. Again, please find us at realmeneatplants.com slash podcast or on Patreon when you type Real Men Eat Plants into the search bar. Thanks for your support and for helping Paul's party. Welcome to Shilor Select. The whole system will be ready in a few minutes. Take your seat and enjoy. Everyone has a story that's built on thousands of hows, whys, and whats. Join myself, Chris Sheeler, as I dive into how people live their lives, why they do what they do, and what goes through their mind while they do it. If you love learning and what makes people tick, my podcast, Sheeler Select, has you covered. New episodes every Monday. Find it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or just anywhere you get a podcast. All right, let's join our guest right now. Bring him on in. He has board certifications in internal medicine, cardiovascular diseases, nuclear medicine, nuclear cardiology, and cardiovascular computed tomography, which, by the way, is a mouthful. Uh, he has served on the faculty of the Pritzker School of Medicine, the Wayne State University School of Medicine, and since 2013 at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago, where he is the head of the cardiology department. Dr. Williams has served as president of the American Society of Nuclear Cardiology, Chairman of the Coalition of Cardiovascular Organizations, and Chairman of the Board of the Association of Black Cardiologists. In March 2022, he was named Chair of the University of Louisville Department of Medicine in Louisville, Kentucky. He is the former President of the American College of Cardiology, where he serves as a fellow and trustee, and he has appeared in such films as The Game Changers and What the Health, which, by the way, are both still available on Netflix. We welcome in into the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, Dr. Kim Williams. You know, I, I, I tell you what, Doc, did I miss anything? That might be the longest intro I've ever done for a guest ever, ever. Well, you actually did very well. I just wanted to make it clear that I, uh, I uh, miss Chicago and everything for the last 
few days, but uh, I am the chair of medicine at the University of Louisville, and it's a it's a wonderful place with yeah. wonderful people. And a so, so mission. that mission is so what then? Because uh, it seems like the mission that you are on as a cardiologist is different than the mission of a lot of other cardiologists. And well, not just cardiologists, but the entire. I would say that applies to the medical care. Um, the uh, the uh, <clears throat> direction of healthcare in this entire country, if if not the planet, but I think the the that United States is is sort of the linchpin for uh, how things get done around the planet. And so, if we could fix our system so that Medicare isn't going broke in 2024, which is, scares the heck out of everyone, um, then we haven't then we have a shot. And so, what is that mission? Uh, I really <clears throat> applied for this position really with two major goals in mind and the university really uh, resonated with them and was actually trying to do them already and uh, wanted to hire someone who would actually be helpful in that regard. And that is uh, health equity, number one. And number two is prevention. And of course, you know that my idea of prevention is uh, the use of lifestyle in addition to uh, randomized trial evidence medications and procedures when necessary. And if what's missing, what has been missing uh, very much is the lifestyle. Uh, we've been really good at procedures and really good at developing medications to help people and um, really prolonging their illness uh, by decreasing mortality. And we don't always look at it that way, but uh, essentially that's what it does. Whereas lifestyle, uh, in addition to the medication, can actually get people to be much more functional and uh, have less in, in severity and yeah, frequency. My, my dad, by the way, has um, cardiovascular disease. Uh, in fact, um, congestive heart failure is what they have told him. And um, he has had a pacemaker put in. He has had bypass. He has had stents put in. Um, and it's been going on for years and years. And the thing is, um, and he takes a lot of meds, and nothing's getting better. Um, and one thing I tried to urge him to do i'm like hey why don't you check out like forks over knives why don't we you know look at maybe something different maybe there's a way that you can attack this because it does seem like his doctors and i think that it's true of most doctors are pretty reactive they'll keep doing the surgeries they'll keep giving you the medicines but they're not really going to give you the tools a lot of doctors to prevent it from happening in the first place is that a fair statement Well, it is fair, but it, I, I want to give you a different perspective on it. So first of all, there are a handful of patients who come to me as a cardiologist saying, Doc, I know I'm in trouble, but just give me a pill so I can go back and do the things that made me get to you in the first place. That's a relatively few people. Most people are really, uh, when they have a cardiac event, they are interested in trying to make it better, prolong their lives, be with their families, be a productive member of society, going to work and, and, uh, and helping our economy. But I would say when I hear a story, like your dad, and he's struggling after a procedure, and he has not changed his diet, the thing I'm, I guess because of age and experience, the first thing I think of is that the leading cause of death of cardiologists, physicians, cardiac surgeons, is cardiovascular disease. And so uh, I, I know I've heard many people say, oh, these doctors, they just want to do procedures and they don't care uh, about plants-based nutrition or putting people in cardiac rehab, which is abysmally low uh, compared to the number of people who qualify. And the fact of the matter is, it's because we're not doing it ourselves. We're not treating the patients any better than we're treating ourselves and our family. 
And so we end up with uh, a, a horrific degree of unnecessary cardiovascular disease in the physician community at a time when we can't afford it. We need more doctors, not less. So I'm, I'm saying it, it's not um, malice, that old saying, you know, never attribute to, uh, to malice something that's easily attributed to ignorance. And that, unfortunately, is our case because we've done surveys uh, at the American College of Cardiology. And the surveys say that being knowledgeable and able to counsel patients on nutrition occurred in 1% of our practicing percent uh, physicians and 0% of our trainees. Now, that was published a few years ago, and we've been out to change it. Journal articles, um, you know, putting together all the data and uh, putting together guidelines. Uh, I'm, unfortunately, I have to admit that we did a recent survey right before I left Rush and partnering with Loyola University to look at our physicians and say, how many of them are following the guidelines that we wrote and published in the American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology, Primary Prevention Guidelines 2019, wrote a, an entire nutrition section. And it got a little fishy based on some randomized trials that say that fish is better than red meat. But predominantly, we're talking about plants, lowering cholesterol, sugar-sweetened beverages, getting rid of refined grains. Uh, and if you follow that diet, you have a chance to reduce uh, chronic illness. We put all the data in there uh, in addition to the recommendations. And then we went to find out three years later how many people are doing it. And it turns out out of 274 position, we wow. had il- physicians, we wow. had 11, 11 who were actually doing this, uh, one vegan and 10 pesco vegetarians. And so the data is massive, um, if, if anyone would look. Um, the data on covid and uh, pesco-vegetarian and, ve- and vegan diets is so impressive. They have 73% less um, severe and moderate than severe COVID. And everybody says, oh, no vegan diet of, 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 of COVID. I don't know that I believe that, but I don't have any data to, <laughs> I don't have any vegans that I know that, that died of COVID. Uh, and certainly that British Medical Journal saying that the incidence of moderate to severe illness is so low in the vegan population, maybe it's really true. So you have this dual pandemic of heart disease since 1918, being the leading cause of death of Americans, and then a, a double pandemic of uh, a viral illness, which isn't going away. It keeps happening and keeps mutating. Why isn't everybody uh, talking about doing plant-based nutrition uh, to try uh, and, and, and why isn't the focus uh, on that? I, I actually was putting that up like on my, my social media, like, hey, maybe instead of, uh, you know, complaining or waiting for a vaccine or waiting for this, why don't we all do something like trying to get healthier? Why don't we eat healthier? Why don't we exercise more? Why don't we do these things? And maybe if our immune system is stronger, maybe we'll be able to beat this thing and not have to worry about waiting for uh, things happening down the line. But you were talking about cardiologists that weren't following the diet. That's not you. You you put your money where your mouth is, and you kind of did, did it controversially. So you put an essay out back in 2014. And uh, if you could talk about that a little bit and why that was so uh, you know controversial. Why, why was that such a big deal in, in the medical world? Well, actually, the backstory was that I – been elected to uh, be the incoming president of the American College of Cardiology 2015, which means that you serve as a year of, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, vice president and then president-elect and uh, with all those meetings. And I had been on the board of trustees. And so with all of those meetings, I was always asking for plant-based food. And so finally, one of the media people, um, and I don't know if she ever, if she is around listening to find out what she did to me, <laughs> but 
but she actually uh, said, Ken, you know, you're always asking for plant-based food. Why is that? And I told her, uh, well, you know, decrease hypertension, cholesterol, stroke, myocardial infarction, uh, you know, death, uh, and a myriad of other chronic illnesses that go away, improve, disappear with, um, uh, with plant-based nutrition. And she said, well, couldn't we write that in our ACC blog uh, so that the, more of the members know about it? Uh, I said, well, okay. And so once we wrote the blog, then that got picked up by MedPage today. And then, then it got picked up by New York Times. And the next thing you know, I'm doing an interview and, uh, and trying to make sure that everybody knows that there is literature out there uh, where diet is important. It's much more important than what we thought because you know, there are still a lot of cardiologists, hopefully not now, but certainly back then, there were people saying that, oh, it's not your diet, it's your genes. Well, genes have a lot to do with what's going to happen. And in fact, there are some <laughs> mutants running around this planet, so-called PCSA9 um, mutations, where, which has led to a couple medications, which is really interesting, uh, who are going to have a low LDL cholesterol no matter what they, they do because of their genetic uh, superiority, let's call it. On the other hand, most of us regular humans are going to die of heart disease if we can, uh, with a high frequency. And, and, you know, now that I'm an internal medicine chair, I have to think more broadly than just cardiology because for cancer, the other, the next leading cause of death in the Americans, the risk factors are almost identical. You know, if you were obese uh, and if you have diabetes and uh, high levels of inflammation, which happens with nutrition, you end up with, with cancer, heart disease, or both. And so it, uh, it was it was good to get it out there. Uh, there have been changes, and hopefully all of our medical meetings now have plant-based food, which is how the whole thing started. Uh, we're, we haven't you know, gotten everywhere, but I, I do want to mention that since, since you said, you know, why isn't anyone talking about it? Uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, I saw one person talk about this on, on national television. Yeah. It was Charles Barkley, <laughs> Round Mound of Rebound. Okay. He was telling people, you've got to give up all that, you know, that fast food. This is just damaging you and it's going to make COVID worse. I don't know how he knew what was going to be published in the British Medical Journal two years later, but he was right on target. Um, but I, I didn't see uh, the CDC or anyone coming out with it. Now, I do have to say that um, it, we're not alone. We've been pushing hard. Uh, we've got a lot of organizations that have tried to get folks to recognize the importance of nutrition. And believe it or not, um, the um, Biden White House is actually putting together for the first time in 50 years a White House conference on nutrition, health, and, uh, and hunger. Uh, it happened during the Nixon administration, but not since. And so we're hoping that we can bring more uh, science-based nutrition recommendations that will come from coming from our government. And, you know, it's, it's always tough because there are a lot of industry um, interests that go against what would what their medical literature would say. And sometimes people try to re respond to them, like putting together a sugar-sweetened beverage tax, for example. That's one recent example uh, that would be so helpful based on the medical literature, but would be fought by industry that has sugar-sweetened beverages as part of their portfolio. And so, you know, how do, how do we do that? My take is uh, to change the government's subsidies. That is, you know, what you uh, are are really promoting with our subsidies is what people are going to buy because it's less expensive. And so uh, if you're able to 
decrease the amount of sugar-sweetened beverages that are out there and more fruits and vegetables, that's what people, once you, they're educated about it and they're, they're less expensive, that's really going to make a difference. So I'm hoping, very hopeful, that this conference will lead to some major changes in how we do food. Uh, you know, our, our food chain is extremely long, but unfortunately it bends toward chronic diseases, and we've got to Well, Dr. That. Williams, you're you know, kind of going on about you know, the, the, the interest people are starting to take in their own nutrition, or at least should be at that point. Now, one of the things that, you know, you're doing a really good job about, you know, social media and posting online, YouTube channel and all that stuff. And I was watching a video this morning uh, that you were kind of asking the question, you know, is it better for you or, or should you be eating, you know, plant-based stuff like, uh, like the Impossible Burger, for example, something like that. So what is, I don't want to give away all the, the topics for yourself, so I don't want to see if you want to summarize kind of where that video uh, it took people, you know, as far as the nutrition of, of Impossible Burgers and, and, and the like. Well, I would take it, it rather than branding, um, I actually asked my patients to follow a whole food plant-based diet. And if they're going to do something that's manufactured, then just read the label. This is something that the FDA, um, I, I talked with them, I guess it was a couple years ago, they were really trying to emphasize health in the labels. And I was so glad that they were focusing on it. Um, so I, I look at three things. How much sodium is there? And sometimes the sodium is really high. But if you're, if you, there are some people who are not sensitive to sodium. Many African Americans are. And so if you go with our, uh, our hypertension, 2017 hypertension guideline, it would be a limit of 1,800 milligrams a day. That means you could eat something that's really <laughs> salty, but nothing else that day. And so, 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 why, so read the label, add it up. And the funny part about it is that once you do that, you don't have to keep doing it because you're going to buy the same products because they come your favorites. Okay, that's the sodium. The next one would be the cholesterol. And preferably, the cholesterol level would be zero because that means it came from a plant because plants don't have substantive amount. They have nanograms of cholesterol. Uh, and so you don't see end up um, increasing your serum cholesterol by eating plants. And in fact, the fiber changes the bacteria in your GI tract. They can actually help you get rid of cholesterol uh, rather than absorbing it. <coughs> then the, the third thing is the saturated fat because we, we have to pay careful attention to the fact that saturated fat raises cholesterol. And I know that there's a lot of controversy there you have, uh, and it's made uh, sometimes with commercial interests and sometimes not, but uh, there are people who say that saturated fat from plants is not so bad. That is true. It's not as bad as the longer chain fatty acids of, of animals, but it still raises your cholesterol. Uh, and so <clears throat> we try to avoid those. And then there are other people who say that all oils are bad where the data, the best data, and we'll continue to, to accumulate that data, would say that uh, polyunsaturated fat and monounsaturated fat actually lower cholesterol, lower mortality. Uh, yeah, the, I, I know there's some people who famously say the fat you eat is the fat you wear. I think that's true uh, in terms of total calories. But if you have an active lifestyle, uh, olive oil may help your cholesterol. And, you know, the, so the thin person with high cholesterol probably should be doing olive oil. Okay, so if we set it up that way, you, you could actually um, make sure that uh, your uh, cholesterol um, ingestion, your sodium, and your saturated fat are actually very low. And that, those products that you're mentioning, you just read the label and you see that they wouldn't fit the bill. 
Um, and so having a high degree of saturated fat. Is you, know, you mentioned that Joe Biden and he's getting involved in, you know, uh, with, with the whole nutrition thing. There's another politician, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, uh, who is famously plant based and has been involved with this. And you guys uh, are you kind of got involved with him as well, writing a foreword for his book. If you could talk about that relationship with, with Eric Adams and and how you feel he's doing as far as getting the message out there uh, as far as being plant based and some of the steps he's taken in New York. Well, he's a wonderful guy, and he <clears throat> he had a lot of the African-American experience, as you could see in that book, um, where, you know, it, the things that we inherited in the African-American community, every, you know, it's wonderful to celebrate Juneteenth, um, but if we look at it in absolute terms, slavery isn't isn't over yet. I mean, we still have, uh, you know, we have healthcare disparities and educational disparities. And a lot of it actually has to do with things that we could control as a community that is focusing on schools um, and uh, insisting on higher levels of education. And um, there are segments of our society where if you don't go to college and you don't get a graduate degree, you're like ostracized in your family. You know? And uh, and so that kind of approach, I think, would help us. Now, having said that, uh, then there's the food. Forget about the society for, for a moment, just the food. Um, we inherited um, – people have called it uh, eating low on the hog. And there's another wonderful cardiologist um, um, who, uh, in California and who um, – uh, Dr. Batiste, who actually has a podcast or a show called The Slave Food. It's kind of right in people's faces to, to say it that way. But honestly, that's what it what it was. That is, you were allowed to eat the things that were being thrown away. And then you figured out creative ways to make it palatable. And then your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren learn the same thing. And that's that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is just uh, the socioeconomic disparities. So what's inexpensive? And so, you know, when you have the government subsidizing high fructose corn syrup and refined grains, you're going to find some products there are really unhealthy, uh, but they become popular. When you look at the density of, of fast food restaurants in our community, it's much higher. Than it, than it should be for, for, for the population. Well, these are things that we could at least recognize, and I, I don't want to go too far without mentioning the so-called food deserts, um, but I have a completely different take on that. Um, we struggle with nutrition education in this country. If our physicians don't know nutrition, why would we expect our groceries stores owners to, to do nutrition? They're not in the healthcare business. We are, okay? And so if you're in a business what are you going to sell? You're going to sell the things that actually uh, uh, people buy. And so if you want to get rid of the food deserts, you want to have healthy things in grocery stores, then the way to do it is to actually get um, uh, people to buy what's healthy. And that's what they'll stock. So uh, it, I think the, you know, where we need to go with this is, you know, public education and, you know, sort of community level um, 
you know, enhancement of nutrition understanding. I, I could not and agree more. You know, actually, uh, my daughter in eighth grade, and she's going through health class, and they're teaching about what's carbohydrates and what's fat and what's protein. And she brings home, you know, this, this stuff, and I'm reading through it. And protein, all that's listed is, you know, animals. So that, that's all that they list. And I actually got to the principal, and I said, hey, you know, there are protein in plants. Uh, you know, you can get protein from legumes and nuts and seeds right. and, and almost all vegetables. I mean, there's there's some amount of protein. I don't think anybody has been dying of protein deficiencies in this country. We're not a protein deficient, um, you know, people. And um, it was it was kind of eye opening for her. She said she was going to start incorporating it next year. I don't know what that means. My daughter's not going to be in that school anymore. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But I don't think that people quite understand when they hear protein and it, they get hit over the head with it with advertising. Got to have protein. Got to have protein. It seems like all they know is animal products, animal products, animal products. And, oh, by the way, chicken is healthy for you. Um, that is a message that gets thrown around a lot. Doc, why why not chicken? Why can't everybody just eat chicken and, and be healthier or eat yogurt and be healthy? Well, so, I, you know, you could start with the uh... – uh, animal rights people who will tell you that chickens are some of the most marvelous uh, organisms that, and they're loving companions. <laughs> uh, that's one point of view. That would you really want to uh, to have a sentient being be captured or t- tortured or whatever they do to them uh, in the chicken industry, uh, so that we can plug our arteries with with cholesterol? Um, now, let me. Having said that, let me talk about the other side. Is there a difference between white meat and red meat? Uh, if you get to the science of it, um, the and I would probably most famously quote the Harvard uh, School of Public Health data, which was only one of three um, uh, articles out of the uh, what some people would call the uh, vegan propaganda journal, that, that is the Journal of the American Medical Association. <laughs> We're not at all vegan, <laughs> vegan propaganda. Gamma is a wonderful uh, uh, evidence-based uh, journal, and they actually have three articles that people could publish or that could, could look at on vegetable protein versus animal protein and mortality. And each one of them does the same thing. That is, and one of them is from Japan. One of them is a, uh, our authors who analyzed some American data. And then there's the Harvard data, which was first in 2016. Okay. So what they do is say, Let's take all of our population, let's look at their nutrition history, and then uh, try to see what would happen to the mortality if we just substitute 3% of our animal protein with vegetable protein. And you can see, because of the large population and the long-term studies, you can see a change in mortality. And what it says is that, um, that seafood, or particularly fish, poultry, and dairy increase mortality a small amount, but they do increase mortality. Red meat is worse than those three. Eggs are worse than red meat, and processed red meat is by far the worst. And so the real question is, uh, if you have, and this data is reproduced around the world, that animal products are uh, for protein are have health dis, have health effects that are uh, salvaged by doing protein uh, from vegetables instead. And so if it's in every database, why would we do it? Well, uh, one of the reasons to do it is because it's safer and that if people say there's just no way 
I can do plant-based. I know it's going to hurt me uh, if I eat animals. <clears throat> it's going uh, to hurt the environment if I eat animals, uh, but it's going to hurt it less if I do chicken than beef, which is true. Then, uh, you know, the substitutionary benefit of poultry over <clears throat> um, eating mammals is is probably something that people could defend. Biochemically, uh, the difference probably does come down to the Cleveland Clinic's trimethylamine in oxide. That's a little bit of a mouthful, but anyone can Google the words mm -hmm. uh, or the letters TMAO, and what it, it ought to have a warning level that once once you're done Googling it, you're probably going to become a vegan because you don't want this stuff in your bloodstream. And the levels of TMAO that you get from vegetables is essentially zero. Uh, it's less with uh, with so-called fish or white meat, and it's much higher with red meat. Uh, but in, in any case, the, the TMAO is associated with chronic kidney disease and more stroke and more heart attack, heart failure, uh, and mortality. And so hopefully people will recognize it. Um, we, we're learning a lot of the mechanisms behind um, uh, the, re the reasons that plant-based nutrition is so much better for you, uh, and they're all being elucidated in, in the literature. Well, while you're in the process, while you're Googling TMAO, you might as well Google Dr. Kim Williams because one of the first things that comes up is that quote, uh, the, the, there are two kinds of cardiologists, vegans and those who haven't read the data. So I, I wanted to bring that up because I'm sure there's – there's a story behind that, and there's maybe one or two points that are like the main things for people to know if they're going to, uh, you know, consider being vegan or just reducing the amount of meat they're eating. Well, so the history of that, uh, and obviously uh, everything changes over the years, and I would say that there are probably many other types of cardiologists because we're having some really great food fights, I call them, uh, between uh, uh, different kinds of plant-based diets, the no-oil people versus the, you know, you've got to have some omega-3, and, uh, and, and then you've got uh, <clears throat> the people who are pesco-vegetarian and, and going for <clears throat> the, uh, the Mediterranean diet. Uh, and then that's one of the interesting things, if I could take 20 seconds to talk about it, because it was listed as the number one diet for human health. And I think it's uh, something that uh, U.S. News and World Report and other people rarely do, which is to completely misinterpret a New England Journal of Medicine uh, article. I uh, hope everybody can pull it up. 2018, um, the PREDIMED trial which said <clears throat> that there was a 30% decrease in heart attack, stroke, and death if you substitute um, red meat with fish and a little bit of poultry, so so-called Mediterranean eating pattern. Uh, they did have two groups. One was uh, uh, extra virgin olive oil, and the other one was substituted with um, or supplemented with nuts. And that 30% decrease, if you looked at the table, not just the graph, but the table, it was very clear that it was a dramatic decrease in stroke. But heart attack was the same in all three groups. Cardiovascular death was the same in all three groups. Overall mortality was the same in all three groups. And so I think that it's a, it's a little uh, difficult to watch that be named the number one uh, uh, diet for human health when our leading cause of death is cardiovascular disease and it didn't help. And so, you know, if I was a neurologist, I'd be, you know, so a, a few less uh, people having strokes and 
having to wake up in the middle of the night for code stroke, it would be wonderful. And strokes are terrible. And I had, do have patients who say, I'd much rather die or have a heart attack than have a stroke. Uh, and if you really want to just prevent that, then maybe that's the diet. But um, if people want to live and live with more heart disease free, that isn't the diet. And so I hope that everyone can go back and look at it. It wasn't the authors. It wasn't New England Journal of Medicine that did the misinterpretation. They were actually very, very clear. Um, so anyway, I would say that, uh, like anything, uh, there's been an evolution. There are way more than two types of cardiologists these days. Uh, but I kind of stand behind the idea that we don't have enough nutrition education, that it should start in high school, then college, then pre-med, I'm sorry, then medical school, and then it should be lifestyle medicine should be part of every residency curriculum. And I know there are a handful of places where that's starting to happen. It should be part of cardiology fellowships and every other uh, place where uh, patients are going to interact with us. And uh, when that happens, then I can stop, you know, uh, uh, saying things <laughs> that were controversial about our nutrition education. I'm hoping that that actually does come to fruition. I, you know, I, for a couple of years, um, I was sort of backing off and I was talking about how what I was really referring to was um, the other side, that they haven't read the data because we weren't publishing enough. But I don't think that that's true anymore. We are still we are publishing. And so I've had to refine my thoughts on it. Um, and that wasn't so and initially it was a call for everyone who was plant based to do randomized trials so that they get into the major journals and change the way p physicians behave. Uh, as it turns out, there's so many uh, friends of mine who sort of were in leadership of other organizations, and I would meet with them, and they would kind of laugh at my diet, and then they themselves had a heart attack, and some of them passed away, and uh, it's, it's, it's a big sting, and you would like to see much more nutrition education because we need to save ourselves so that we can save everyone else. And when you're on that airlines and things are going bad, they say put your oxygen mask on yourself first and then help the person next to you. That's what we really need to do. Doc, I love it. We could talk to you all day, but I just have one final question for you. You weren't born uh, plant-based. I wasn't born plant-based. If you had like a, a recommendation, uh, something to get somebody started who's listening to this podcast right now or watching it, uh, what, what would you say? What would you say is, is the thing that they should focus on uh, to maybe get started on this path of being plant-based? Well, so let me a couple of responses. Number one is that it wasn't born plant based, but I kind of, you know, when, when people say, oh, I, I couldn't live without meat, I, there's a way in which I don't know what they're talking about. I never actually liked animal <laughs> products. And so I, I will openly admit that that is so easy for me to get rid of animal products, but I'm also addicted to medical literature. You know, here I am with the hugest cup of coffee. I never drank coffee until there was all of this observational data that said diabetes, stroke, uh, pancreatic cancer, um, chronic kidney disease, all of them reduced by drinking three to five cups of coffee. So all of a sudden, my brain, uh, you know, I never, I never liked avocados. I'll have to admit that. Okay. And, and all of a sudden, there are two trials published in the last couple of months. One was a 15% uh, decrease in LDL cholesterol if you did two avocados. Uh, and the other one was more avocados decreased overall mortality. All of a sudden, my <laughs> brain just loves avocados. Where can I have? And yeah. so, you know, so I think there are some people who are pre-programmed with, uh, I think, um, you know, mortality paranoia, and they're particularly well-suited for vegan diets or anything else uh, that is going to be health-related. Uh, then we have other people who are on the opposite end of that curve. 
uh, where they really want to do what they want to do and they want to enjoy those things that they do. Whereas the people on my side would be, I would enjoy things more if I knew it was helpful, uh, that I was going to be around uh, longer, that I was not going to have some hopeful illness that I would burden my children with me or some that kind of approach to living. Um, and so, uh, so we may not be born into it, but we acquire it at different rates. So then the real question is, you know, how do, how do you get people to change? What are the things that you could tell them? I have to admit there, another admission, being a cardiologist, it never was that hard because people came to me after, an, after a stent or bypass or after a cardiac event. And, uh, and I'm already, they are already a motivated uh, buyer of what I have to say. And so uh, the question is, how do you take people who don't recognize their risk and project them, you know, 20 to 30 uh, years in the future? We do have some techniques. One of them that we do in the community, which with our so-called heart program, which I'm hoping, you know, in my fourth day on the job here in Louisville, uh, to actually uh, start doing down here that we were doing in Chicago. It's called the heart program, heart standing for helping everyone assess risk today. And that where we would go into the community or we did actually a tennis tournament on the south side of Chicago uh, for the Women's Tennis Association. We did uh, a Veggie <laughs> Fest, which is probably not the best place to do it. But we did a lot of African-American churches and Hispanic churches. We go in with a finger stick, uh, cholesterol, blood pressure, uh, hemoglobin A1C to see diabetes and take a history and then put it into the risk calculator. Hopefully everyone has the ACC risk calculator. You can download it for any device uh, and you take it to, hey, Uncle Joe, what was your last blood pressure? What was your last cholesterol and how old are you now? And you say, oh my gosh, you got a 17.4% 10 year risk of having a heart attack, stroke or death. You better see your doctor. Um, that, that little tool uh, applied in the community can really galvanize people to understand their risk and change their behavior. Um, so if, if it's, it's easy for me to sit back as a cardiologist and, you know, with a catcher's mitt and have the people come to me, but I think we all ought to be going to the outfield. We need to go to where the people are, dental offices, barbershops, nail salons, uh, churches, community groups, and find people who are at risk and let them know objectively what their risk is. And hopefully that way we can impact that risk Excellent by changing, stuff. getting Doc, them more interested in Thank you in so much. Uh, we love having you as a guest. Hopefully we could have you back sometime. Good luck on the new gig in Louisville as well. So thank you very much, Doc. Okay, if you ever wanted to show off your plant-based lifestyle and do it in style, here is your chance. We have some of the most amazing t-shirts, hats, accessories, coffee mugs, and more at shop.realmeneatplants.com. We have statement t-shirts that will bring a smile to everyone's face. I love the I Want Tofu Tonight tea. Plus, we have podcast teas, real women eat plants gear, real kids eat plants, and real people eat plants just in case men, women, and kids didn't cover it all. Yeah, we love you, and we love that you want to show off that healthy lifestyle of yours. Again, check out our high-quality gear at shop.realmeneatplants.com and enjoy. She's a mom with vegetables. She's so delectable. The cows and pigs, she set them free. Can't you see? She's a hot chickpea. Veggie stew just for you. Sit on down. There's these or two. She 
vegetables. She is so delectable. Cows and pigs, she set them free. Can't you see she's a hot chick bee? Veggie stew just for you. Sit on down, there's dessert too. Yes, we have hit that point in the show where I get to shut up for a bit and pull back on the <laughs> reins and allow Miss Sarah Carlson to take it over with her news. Sarah, take it away, please. I love it how you say you get to stop. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Unlikely. moving on. Big news today from Impossible Foods, a brand we all know. They'll be showing up with, get this, meals in the frozen section of the store. Actually, 4,000, and I don't understand this, but it's true, Walmart Walmart stores nationwide. Yes, there is. So they're going to have meals? Foods and Walmart, I, I don't get, but they're going to be putting together frozen meals. I am so part of a group. Again, yeah. they're looking, on, on, on they're Facebook. looking at the... Go ahead. Go what? ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, I keep cutting you off, but I was, I was going to say I'm part of a group on Facebook. It's called Vegan at Walmart, and it, like, tells you all the things to buy at Walmart that are vegan, and there's, like, a push-on to get more and more of these things into Walmart, and I see that they've succeeded. They've succeeded. So it's developed and distributed in partnership with Golden West Food Group. These impossible bowls, as they're known, will be offered in eight flavors, each with Impossible's line of plant-based beef pork and chicken. So it's this week that they will begin stocking. Here are the flavors because this kind of sounds good when you don't feel like cooking. I know, Rich, we talk a lot about it's healthier to just cook when you're plant-based, but you can have a sweet and sour impossible pork made from plants, teriyaki impossible chicken made from plants, chili mac with impossible pork, or barbecue impossible pork. Now, does it say, are, are all of these things vegan? Now, does it mention that or does it not? Or is it just the the meat that's substituted out? Because one of the things you really got to read the labels hmm. on, and there are brands that are good at this, is it'll say made with plant-based meat. And then you look in there and it, it contains milk and egg and stuff like that because they put ah. cheese in it or egg in the pasta or something like that. So I would say good, great, you know, less meat out there, the better. Um, but the thing is, you know, read the label, uh, especially I, I would I would say this to all you first time plant based people out there or people that are just starting or on the third base uh, or on the 30 day challenge. Read labels because those labels, man, they'll, they'll get you at the end. But they do have to identify if there's milk or egg in there because of allergies. They do have to identify yeah. that it does contain that kind of stuff. So take a look at the at the actual label. Well, I can tell you, I read the whole article, which I won't do to you now, <laughs> and it didn't mention either way. So good uh, advice, because I think it's hard to know. You find a frozen, what used to be like your Stouffer's meal, mm -hmm. and it's impossible meat, and you're like, oh, thank God. But yeah, if it's got, if it's got egg or dairy, you're not vegan. You're just right. vegetarian, which I've been Absolutely. a long time. Um, there's also a casual food chain called Baja Fresh. Yeah. It, they're not around okay. here. There's a lot of like good food. Please chains God, tell me they serve Baja Blast. As they're that are not around here. Well, it sounds like Impossible Foods is going to partner up with them. There's no like what you know, what's on the menu, whether it's vegan or vegetarian, but um, they'll be doing some work with Baja Fresh. So Wait, what is was, a Baja is, Blast? Is, is it, Baja Blast is Mountain Dew, bro. Like, come on, it's the best Mountain one. Mountain Dew and what? It's the one you oh. get in uh, Taco Bell. Okay, all right. That's probably why. Is it blue oh. or green? No, it's green. It's like, like a teal color. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I know that's what it is. That's the best one. Yeah. I've, I've seen uh, it. But is, is Impossible, is that the Bill Gates 
related company. Like, who, which one is he invested in? I can't remember. I don't know. There's a new ad thought- out for Beyond that has Justin Fields in it. But okay. I yeah. don't know. Because yeah, I feel like Gates- the fact that, you know, Impossible is popping up everywhere. And so yeah. is Beyond. So you have, like, those two companies. And I'm just like, it's great. But I'm 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 a little wary that you know it's going to become some like we're going to find out some shady business deals. Do you, you, know? do you not I, like Bill Gates? Is that what it is? No, I just I uh, think that anybody who's a billionaire <laughs> is there's inherently bad things involved in it. Like, unfortunately, yeah. If there's if it's all about money, they don't really care what you're eating. So don't so, make it too again. Read, read those labels. Yeah. So my next news story, this is an interesting one. Hey, right. Uh, wait, wait, wait. You're, you're right about that, Eric. Hold on. Just, just, just wait, 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 wait. Okay. Bill Gates has invested in Impossible Foods. You okay, are I right. I thought I read that somewhere. Okay. Hmm. All right. All right. Sorry about oh, that. Well. Go, Sarah. Go. I'm sorry. Don't, sorry don't be sorry. It. We'll keep an eye on it. It's important. Well, the American Heart Association is actually suing for the mislabeling of red meat. Uh, I know this one that would be high on Rich's uh, importance level. Heart disease is the top cause of death, both in the U.S. and worldwide. This is something we know backwards in our sleep. Uh, This year alone, we're likely to see nearly 700,000 Americans die for reasons directly related to heart disease. Now, despite this, the uh, beef... um, I'm sorry, I should just read this alone. They're putting like safe... The heart check, like like this beef is safe when it's lower in, I think, fat and s- certain things. However, this heart check food certification program, it's designed to help consumers make informed decisions. But this week, there's an animal rights group called Animal Outlook that is legally challenging this altogether, saying you can't say this is healthy at all. So the healthier beef is what they're trying to do here. Um, but that's just not working for them. They're saying um, the American Heart Association says the products get to use heart check certification and it's vetted by a, quote, robust certification process and that the brands carrying the label have to reapply to continue to use it. But the lawsuit says that the American Heart Association is following the government's minimum standards <clears throat> I, I do that on purpose. That's, that's mm-hmm. Very do. minimum standards, and that AHA is not adding more rigor than what the FDA already presents as acceptable as fat per day. So one serving of beef is in this healthy beef, by the way, um, is like a third or more of your saturated fat for the day. So how could you hmm. put a healthy sticker on that? You, here's here's how it works. Have you guys seen the movie What the Health? Um, so it's a documentary. Mm-hmm. It's a follow-up to, to Cowspiracy. Anyways, and what the health, they go over this. And so there's a bunch of recipes on the American Heart Association thing, or there was at the time that what the health was made. This, I think, was 2018, 2019. And he points out the uh, documentarian, I think it's, it's Kip Anderson. Anyways, he points out how there's recipes that include like bacon and beef and pork and things that are fried. And he asks the American Heart Association like spokesperson, like, why the hell do you have recipes like this on your site when there was like processed meat too when like processed meats have been shown to be a grade one carcinogen by the world health organization and and to a carcinogen that's that's for for yeah like 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 regular meats that aren't like processed i mean all meats are processed but there's like you know like salami and bologna and hot dogs are in a different category than like a steak um and so and so that's 
That's what they're looking at. And he asked that question, why the hell? And nobody would answer the question and they would usually like end the conversation. And then he went online and started looking into the companies that actually donate money to the American Heart Association. Well, these companies included like craft foods and companies like Mondelez and stuff like that, and that are big, huge meat conglomerates and dairy conglomerates that are giving money to the American Heart Association. And so the American Heart Association will never come out and denounce these things that they know are bad for your heart because they're receiving money not to. Um, and it's really eye-opening and eye-popping, and it, it's it's pervasive across a lot of these big charities, including things, I mean, it, it's stuff like, you know, Greenpeace that actually knows how bad fishing is for the environment, but they won't say anything against fishing because they get a lot of money from companies that are large fisheries and produce fish and, and stuff like that. And so it uh. gets really disgusting and dirty really fast and the american heart association is on that list of stuff where you're like like what the hell and also and it makes me sad yeah oh, and, and God, that's why the, the actual yeah yeah I, I just said like what the hell off the top of my head and that's why the movie's called what the health because you're like what the hell man I, you know are you, are you really doing this to us and that's why too there are um you know you, you used to see like things like milk it does the body good um mm -hmm. you know and and they are not allowed to say that anymore because all the studies have shown it doesn't do the body good and it's false advertising. And so that's why milk had to change to got milk. Got milk became the, the new catchphrase after milk, it does a body good. Um, now, I'm so, curious how this how this all looks in other countries, because, you know, we're talking about these American companies and associations who are taking these bribes essentially yeah they you know, are what, what is it what is it like in other countries like is, is it as is it as bad do they have more options than we do so know. so it, it's not as pervasive so you you go to poland like one of the things i was amazed when i went to, to poland and again my wife is polish i spent a lot of time there i mean their food is not like our food because they're not allowed to put a bunch of the additives and chemicals in their food that you would see over here now yeah they, they still eat chicken and turkey and stuff but they're also like 30 percent plant-based over there as far as like people being fully vegan um so they're way ahead of the curve uh than we are on that and poland's not the only one a lot of european union countries um are going along that route anyways but um really yeah really interesting stuff and sarah seems kind of heartbroken about the american Heart association yeah right i have now. to admit there you know as somebody who wants to give and, and mm -hmm. i don't mean money but uh, my mind and my heart <laughs> pun intended, I suppose, go out to those who just follow the rules and listen to what the Heart Association says and doesn't hear what we're talking about. Too many organizations and everything is yeah. just underground bullshit. Yep. It's so. it's too much tie-in. Those, those <laughs> lobbies are ubiquitous, man. And they just, yep. they they are so pervasive and, and duplicitous then in what they do. And, you know, the government actually fuels this by requiring dairy in schools. And they got requirements, you know, that, that nutritional requirements that are based on Ugh. stuff from the 1940s and 50s. And it's, it's really disgusting. Well, I had to look at my son's... Um, uh, what was it? Lunch at the high school today. And then I, I kept looking for next week and we'll save that for like another day Yeah, for our chat. And yeah, not it's not good. Because mm -hmm. I don't want to <laughs> rip on that. 
But it was well, making it's interesting you sick. because because uh, our school was just talking to me the other day about how they got this like revamped program and like oh you really should do like a you know a feature and, and look into like how you know what our what our stuff looks like and you know uh, basically the salad bar and taco bar and all this stuff. I'm like mm, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be biased on that one, but all right, I'll I'll check yeah. it out. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Lovely. Anyway. I, yes. I just, I just am glad I got some strawberries in him, and there you go. Got the <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say. No, no coconut all right, oil. Moving on in news, <laughs> vegan meat. This is something we already know, but exciting for some of our listeners who might not know. Moving out of the burger bun, it's not just your Impossible Burger or your Beyond Meat Burger. It's the deli case. Now, this isn't ideal, but again. I have to admit, I'm a big tofurkey fan for the sandwich. There is plant-based mortadella bologna. Uh, bologna. I can't say it right. I shouldn't try to say it right. <laughs> yeah. Bologna, mm-hmm. salami, and more. So, again, my favorite sandwich right now, and Rich it got me to try the um, vegan cheese. I'll throw some vegan cheese on it and tofurkey and whole wheat bread and some some fruit and happy for lunch. But a variety of companies are jumping in. They're going, oh, okay. All these fast food places want to do burgers. What can we do? Um, the deli market, by the way, it's a $300 billion industry. Mm. $300 billion. <laughs> Who knew? Okay. So uh, brands like Tofurky and Field Roast, and I wouldn't have known this before we started our podcast, have been around a while. Mm-hmm. But they've offered vegan deli slices and newcomers are jumping in going, hmm, how can we really make this fun for people? The brands are going to be Prime Roots and Unreal Deli. Um, so they're debuting a vegan bull. I can't say anything. You got this, Sarah. You got this, Sarah. <laughs> well, but the problem is bologna. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because that's the one, as a vegetarian, I couldn't eat a, a, a vegan or plant-based bologna if you paid me. Really? How about <laughs> how about if they had out. like vegan head cheese? Have you ever <laughs> you, <laughs> you ever had head cheese? No. It's the grossest thing I think that anybody could possibly think of. All right. So have you had it, Eric? I have not. Okay. And you, you could slice it into slices, but basically what it is, it's all a bunch of like scrap meat with like spices that's put into like congealed gelatin um, and it creates like a loaf that you could slice and they call it head cheese. And so fucking it, gross. It, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe people eat this stuff. I'm like, really? Like you gotta be shitting me. Um, yeah. Head cheese might be the most disgusting it thing that sounds like a, people uh, have ever a, made a thing that happened like into depression when they just didn't yeah. have money and so yeah. they, right. You know, it's exactly I don't know, right. but anyway, the, I, I we have to say this is a good thing, better than the real bologna. Bologna, yes. I say. <laughs> but there's also the gourmet side in mm. Northern California. There's a company trying to make vegan salami for consumers looking for cruelty-free and environmentally friendly fancy options. And this goes back to like the in the brand Harry and David. Mm-hmm. So they may be picking up on some of that for what they can offer people, which would be kind of cool. Did you know pastrami is the most sensual of all the cured meats? It is. Pastrami is the most sensual of all the cured meats. That's a Seinfeld reference. That is. Like drop in, Monty. Yeah. Yeah. That broadcast school is really paying off. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so 
Awesome stuff. Was that what was that the news then today, Sarah? That is the news. Perfect. And a great way to end it and a nice show, guys. I mean, yeah, I know we got off track here today on lots of stuff, but uh, man, didn't it do my heart good going into a three-day <laughs> weekend? <laughs> Hopefully everyone will enjoy it out there. You have earned it. That's why it's called Labor Day. It's the fruits of your labor that got you one day off uh, throughout the year. Hell so yeah. congratulations. Live it up. Um, by the way, remember to check us out at realmanyplants.com. Hit the support button, 30-day challenge, read the blogs. Make sure you listen and subscribe to our podcast. Tell a friend about it as well. Uh, while you're online, make sure you visit um, Elwood's Organic Farm. If you guys haven't uh, checked that out, it is at elwooddogmeat.com. I found a new favorite website. So if you are into organic dog meat, check out elwooddogmeat.com. Um, you are going to love it and make sure you scroll all the way to the bottom on that. Um, visit us on our YouTube channel, social media, and all of that other kind of good stuff. Great job, guys. Thanks for hanging with me and me getting a little bit weird today. And we will see you next time on the Real Just Med <laughs> Eat Plants podcast. See ya. All right, time now to tell you about VegReg. Yeah, VegReg.com helps you find plant-based restaurants and businesses in just one click. And if you are a vegan-friendly business, they can help you get found. If you are searching for healthy, cruelty-free meal options in your local area, VegRedge is the perfect solution. Another great thing about VegRedge, they have recipes. And when I say recipes, I mean recipes. A Bacon Lovers BLT, Cookie Dough Protein Bites, Penne Arrabbiata, the entree, not the character from The Sopranos. And yeah, and even a vanilla bean cheesecake, and they are all plant-based. You can also find Spotlight Vegan Businesses and more when you click on over to VegReg.com. That's right, it's VegReg.com.